So as a church, we're going through the Gospel of Mark, and this morning we find ourselves at the beginning of chapter 4. So I'm going to read from verse 1 through to verse 20. So let's read. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell onto good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, this morning we just ask that you would grant us the miracle of illumination. Father, as your word is proclaimed, would it be that like dry bones might be brought to life? Hardened hearts would be pierced by your word. Would it be that all of us would see and hear and perceive how great you are? Amen. 
lungs drive air through your throat to create sounds. They, they, it comes up through your throat and with the use of your tongue and your lips, you create sounds, right? And so depending on when people make sounds on how you esteem the sound maker, you're going to listen and respond accordingly. Let me give you an example. A baby can push air through its lungs and out of its throat and make sounds. And depending on how you esteem that baby, whether you value that sound, you will respond accordingly. Some of us might hear that sound and increase our pace to move on quickly. Others might hear that sound and we listen to it for a little bit and we think, isn't that cute? Oh, hang on, it's starting to be a little bit painful now. And we then move on. Still others might might be drawn to that sound, they listen to that sound and they think it's beautiful. And they come in and they look at the baby, they, they endure the, 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 the sound of the cry. But eventually they realise that there are other things that they need to do and they move on. But for some people, the sound of that cry, they've tuned their ear to listen to and respond regularly, to respond well to that cry every time. And that response might look different, but they listen out for the cry and respond to it. This morning, we're looking at a parable that Jesus has preached We hear the sounds of of the lungs pushed through and out of the throat of the Saviour. And in essence, what he wants to say and ask is a big question. A big question for all of us, for the crowd that heard Jesus and for all of us this day, to ponder and wonder and take some time to consider. How do you listen to Jesus? How do you listen to Jesus? John spoke about Jesus being the word become flesh. Jesus' words here resound forward this morning and how will we this morning listen to Jesus? There's three ways or three points that I want us to ponder and consider that will take us through this passage The first one is considering the point and the purpose of the parable. I want us to stop and consider the purpose of the parable. The second point is the first hearers. We might even group them together and say fruitless hearers. And then the third and final point that we will ponder this morning, we'll be looking at the second hearers, that is the fruitful hearers. Well, let's look at the first point, which is the point or the purpose of the parable. This is Mark chapter 4. We find ourselves in Mark chapter 4, and here Jesus has encountered many different people listening, responding to him. Responding to his words, if you like. And so I want us to take some time, perhaps even just now, to say, well, why should you listen to Jesus? Because as we arrive at Mark chapter 4, the the argument in, in some ways has already been made. 
Why should you listen to Jesus? Well, a quick recap, whilst we have been walking through the Gospel of Mark, it's important, I think, now to just quickly recap why you should listen to Jesus. Mark 1, Mark chapter 1, 11, we hear the words, not the words of Jesus, but instead the words of the Almighty God. And the, the Almighty God's testimony of Jesus is Mark 1, 11, You are my beloved Son. Why should you listen to Jesus? He is the Son of God. If that's not enough, why should you listen to Jesus? The argument continues to be made through Mark's Gospel that no one spoke like him. As we look at Mark's Gospel, no one teaches or speaks like Jesus. Mark 1, 22. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority. Why should you listen to Jesus? No one teaches or speaks like him. He's the Son of God and no one speaks like him. Why should you listen to Jesus? His words silence demons. Mark 1, 25. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. What power! The Son of God, and when he speaks, he teaches with authority like no one else. And when he speaks, things happen. Demons run. Why should you listen to Jesus? He silences demons. His words heal. Mark 1, 41. Mark 1, 41. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. Why should you listen to Jesus? We could keep going all the way through chapter 2 and chapter 3. The case is, is made already in chapters 1, 2 and 3 so that we arrive at, at, at chapter 4 and it is stunningly clear that Jesus' words are important. You should listen to Jesus. You should listen to him. And a massive crowd assembles to, to do that, to listen to him. And it's such a big crowd that Jesus has to get into a boat and go a little bit offshore to then teach them from the boat. And what does he do? Well, he actually wants to teach them in a way that perhaps shines the light to expose and reveal how they have actually been listening. Because there's listening and then there's listening. Look with me, let's walk through the story, the farming story that Jesus teaches, that no doubt the first crowd listening would have, would have understood the farming illustration. Let's have a look from verse 3. Listen! A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. And other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding a thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Did you notice the bookends of that story? Verse 3, Listen! Verse 9, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
What's the point and the purpose? I think after having considered that you should listen to Jesus, chapters 1, 2 and 3, you should listen to Jesus. Jesus now wants to highlight and reveal that they have not really been listening to Jesus. And so the bookends make it really clear, hey, this is a story that's going to reveal and expose how you've been listening. This is a story that will highlight for everyone present how you listen to Jesus. And so he says, listen, verse 3, and then he says, pay careful attention. He says, if you've got ears, use them. Seriously consider this. It sounds like a farming story, but there's more to it. Seriously, consider this. Weigh it up. And, and, and he tells it in, in a way that he's kind of like a detective who gets the beam out, trying to expose or reveal as he interrogates a suspect. I'm a school teacher and, and I interrogate students. And um, Part of my job as a teacher, right, is to discipline and, and partially care for students and walk through well. And it's a daily job where I'm sitting with students trying to expose, trying to reveal what's going on with them, trying to help them to see what they've done and the consequences, the knock-on effect. Even just this week, I, I sat with a younger boy who had been incredibly rude who had, had used horrible racial slurs towards an older boy. And I sat down with the two of them in, this, in the room together and we talked about it. And, and I had the light from every angle. I was trying to help this younger boy see that what he had said had hurt the older boy. And man, I tell you, it didn't matter how many different ways I tried to help him see, different angles, trying to help him understand and, and approach and different questions that were designed to help him have an aha moment. It just didn't come. And and to be honest, the more I interrogated, the more I questioned and tried to shine the light to expose, you know what happened? It seemed like he was strengthening his resolve to think he was fine and right and doing what he did. See, I I genuinely was trying to care for him and help him. And it seemed like in shining the light, it seemed to actually strengthen his hardened heart to the point where the final thing he said as he walked out were, they're just words. Jesus is telling this story to shine the light on how we listen. And you find that afterwards, he then talks to his disciples and says, I've told that parable that it might help them see how they've been listening But for some, it's going to harden their hearts. It seems to strengthen their resolve that they're just words. Look with me at verse 10, rather verse 11. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Why does Jesus share this parable? He wants to reveal and expose that some people, as, they, as he is in the boat and is speaking to them, 
having heard Jesus, the testimony of the Almighty God, say, this is my son, having heard Jesus speak words that, that make demons flee, having spoken words that make people's illness and disease submit to him, and, and people with illness be healed and cured, he now wants to help them see that they're not listening to Jesus. They don't see his words for who, what they really are. They don't see the word, the word of God for who he is. Rather, their hearts are being hardened and their resolve to take Jesus to the cross seems to be only strengthened. Lest they be forgiven. Lest they turn and, and repent and be forgiven. The point and the purpose of the parable is designed, if you like, to expose for them what's going on, to reveal for them, and yet it also seems to strengthen their resolve that they're going to take him to the cross. Well, let's examine, if you like, for, for a moment, what is revealed in the story that Jesus tells. Let's examine as it exposes how we can listen So that brings me, if you like, to our second point. The first hearers of of Jesus and his words. I might even call them fruitless listeners. Fruitless hearers. See, these are people who hear Jesus and yet what's consistent through between these three responses, these three listening, is that the word of God, the seed is sown, but none of them achieve what the purpose of the seed being sown was meant for. None of them see germination or fruit. They encounter the word, but they don't listen in a fruitful way. They're fruitless, if you like. Let's examine them. The first seed, Jesus explains, falls on path, and so we're in Verse 14, Jesus said, The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. This is the person who, maybe you've encountered someone like that, where it just is the mention of Jesus that it is like the stench of rubbish to them. And... And I know this all too well when I teach Christian studies at the school that I'm in. It seems like I just have to pull out a Bible and not even say anything and people are already just you know, offended and, and think it's vile that we would even consider in a classroom talking and discussing Jesus. For them, the Word of God is something that you, you just hear that sound but you move on quickly and you pick up pace. Maybe you know someone like that. And that's, that's how some people listen. No doubt that's how the scribes were listening to the words of Jesus through Mark 1, 2 and 3. Well, the second way that, the second location where the seed falls in terms of fruitless listening is rocky ground. Look with me at verse 16. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. 
And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. This is the person that that might hear the stories that Jesus tells and thinks, isn't that lovely? I love a good farming story. This is the person who may even have come to youth group and and enjoyed youth group. And, And they like preaching. They like hearing the communication, the stories and the illustrations. They like the fellowship. And for them, Jesus is a lovely notion. But somewhere along the way, it was just too difficult, too hard. Somewhere along the way, there was tribulation. There was persecution on account of the word. Perhaps it was something really difficult in their life where they pondered, why, why God? Why did I have to lose my job? Why God? Why did God did that have to happen to me, that suffering moment or event? And in that, all of a sudden they reject Jesus. Or maybe it is the person who they're on board with Jesus until there's a crowd that is louder and the louder voice is actually mocking Jesus and at that point they transfer teams and go, yeah, yeah, totally. I can't believe you would follow Jesus. And maybe you know people like that. Maybe you know someone like that. Well, the third area where we see fruitless listening might be thorny ground. Look with me at verse 18 and 19. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful, again, unfruitful. This is the person who who gets excited about Jesus. They care for Jesus. Jesus is important to them. But along the way, at some point, their cares for other things became more important. And maybe that was a decision that wasn't made actively. Maybe it was a decision that was made passively in the sense that they just kind of fell into a busy life and all of a sudden as they invested into other activities, they became more important to them. But nonetheless, along the way, their care for Jesus has diminished and their care for the things of this world has increased. And But I want to point out two things about fruitless listening. As they encounter Jesus, all three have something in common from differing degrees, right? Differing degrees, but all three of these locations where they hear the seed have something in common. First thing that they have in common is that ultimately they, they end up in a place where they are critiquing the word of Jesus. They place themselves over the word of Jesus. Whether it be someone who goes, you know what, those words, they're filthy. No, I'm moving on quickly. That's a judgment of Jesus, the word. Maybe it's someone who says, you know what, Sticking with Jesus even even in hard times, it's not well for my soul. And I'm judging Jesus in that moment. Maybe it's someone who even passively finds other things more important. 
But even in that statement, you are saying and judging that Jesus is therefore less important. And all three of these fruitless listeners are guilty of that one thing. That they are placing themselves as judges over Jesus' word. They are placing themselves over the word of God as if they get to decide, as if they are the ones who ultimately are the critics of Jesus. Maybe you recognise that that's how you listen to Jesus. Maybe there are people in this crowd who recognise that that's how you've listened to Jesus. That actually all of your life, in some way, to varying degrees, you've listened to Jesus like that. In a way that you've placed yourself over Jesus. You, you've decided that you're the judge of the Word of God, of the Word who became flesh, Jesus. As you read Mark 1, 2 and 3, what is so clear is that Jesus is supreme. It is so stunningly clear how great Jesus is. And so it would be the greatest treason then to then place yourself as judge over him, to dethrone him and place you on the throne that judges him, the Almighty One. There cannot be any greater treason. And the Bible would call that sin. And I'll tell you what, when you dethrone God, when you in the vertical mix things up and mess things up, you will find that that is fleshed out in the horizontal of your life, in other relationships. Does that ring true? Maybe you're, you're sitting there and you're aware that, yes, I have responded to Jesus in that way, and yes, I can see that that, that has shown in my life. We all fall short of having God on the throne. But what is incredibly glorious and good for you, if you are hearing this, please pay attention to this. That if you have placed yourself over the true judge, and you have judged the true judge, the true judge came not to be served, but to serve. Mark 10 that he might give his life as a ransom, that when you have committed such treason, you deserve a judgment. But what is glorious is whilst a holy, righteous God is offended at you pushing him off the throne, and, and, and whilst you do deserve the fire of God to burn at, at, at your treason, the one who came to give his life as a ransom, the one who you have placed yourself over, he who knew no sin became sin. We just sung about the glorious rugged cross, my salvation, that it might be your salvation. Maybe this morning you might hear that that in Christ the punishment that you deserve was placed on him. And the wrath, 
the fiery wrath of God was consumed in him. That in a manner that if you backburn a fire, the idea of backburning is when a fire comes, it burns, the backburning is already burnt up anything that might be flammable. So that the fire will not go there again. That when I stand therefore in Christ, the fire is already burnt. It is already burnt. And I'm not perfect, but the fire will not come again. Because I stand in Christ. I want to encourage you, if you hear this morning, if you listen and have ears to hear that you have been responding and listening to Jesus as someone who has perhaps placed yourself over him, may you hear this morning too the gospel, the glorious news. There is a saviour. And may you turn and be forgiven. May you respond to God and say, I'm sorry. And receive Jesus and be forgiven. I want to also take a moment and I want to address all of us. Perhaps perhaps we read this and we've heard this parable so many times. We've heard it, the parable of the soul, and we're familiar with it. But I want to encourage us who perhaps assume we are good soil. I want to encourage us as you consider fruitless listening. How do you listen to Jesus? Seriously, pay careful attention. How do you listen to the Word of God? I think it would be an excellent thing to walk through in our life groups, to ponder, are there areas in your life where you listen in a way that's probably more like the, the path, then maybe there's, there's an area where you just, you've actually said no. No, 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 I, I read that, but no. I love you, Jesus, but I'm not going to listen to that. And we're going to unplug. What, do you want me to just turn off? Is that better? Not as muffly. Hello? All right. Better? See, here we go. Um, maybe, maybe there's an area in your life where you listen to Jesus like, like the first path listeners and you're hardened to Jesus and you move on quickly from that part of Scripture. Maybe there's an area in your life where you listen to Jesus and you come to the Word of God and... and yeah, you know what? Tribulation came. And uh, and somehow you've sort of been able to compartmentalise your life. So yes, you worship God, but that whole suffering episode of your life, you don't understand and you, you're a bit bitter towards God. In You, didn't, you don't want to listen to Jesus in that. 
Maybe, maybe you know all too well the struggle of the thorns. Christian, maybe you can relate to the thorns the most. And you, as you listen to the word, you know all too well what it is to be distracted by the cares of this world. I think you're in good company to have that struggle. I think you read about Paul sharing in Romans, he struggled like that. But I think it's good for us to pause and pay careful attention to how do you seriously, how do you listen to Jesus' words today? I think it's so easy to get distracted. Even just this week, my principal was sharing with us about the effects of social media and study. And he shared an actual study that had been done on students who sit there preparing for their final exams with their phone. And they prepare, saying in one hour they might be trying to achieve one hour of study and preparation, whilst at the same time they're occasionally checking social media. And this study revealed that, that when somebody does that, that that one hour, there's 24 minutes that is just ineffective study. 24 minutes. This study actually went on to, to speak about how that can actually have a significant effect on their overall ATAR, their ultimate performance in their final exams. And we, we might hear that and think... <laughs> I'd never be like that. But phones, friends, phones are so powerful, aren't they? They're so full of information. And and what's happened for me is, for me, I I think, uh, I don't have to be an expert on any one thing anymore because I can go to the phone and I can be an expert through the phone on so much. And I've heard it described that, that in some ways now, information is like a swamp. You may have heard this too. That information is just so, you can just know so much and yet my actual knowledge on so much is, has no depth. And like a swamp, it just sort of goes wherever it wants. It doesn't have any boundaries. And it's a swamp. I think... What we need to hear is is fruitful living, if you like, is someone who is more like a river that has firm boundaries, has direction and purpose and depth in one thing. It's so easy to get distracted, isn't it? It's so easy to get caught up in the cares of this world. But Jesus tells us that when we listen like that, it's fruitless. Have the, have, be able to listen to Jesus and Jesus alone in your life. What will be the effect of that? Look with me at verse 20. Fruitful hearing. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. To listen to Jesus in all of life, in this area of life and this area of life and this area of life, to listen to Jesus, to pay attention to Jesus, to not sit 
over the Word, but under the Word. And let Him be the authority in my life. And what are we told? Well, we're told that that actually is like a river with direction and purpose. We're told that that is actually going to be fruitful for your life. To be like the, the person of someone who delights in the law, who meditates in the law and applies it to all of life. We're told in Psalm 1, we're told throughout scriptures and we're told again in Mark 4 by the word of God himself. That's a fruitful life. That's a joyful life. The more we listen to Jesus, the more we receive the word and apply it is a fruitful life. I grew up playing a lot of soccer. And um, for me, the more I listened to good coaches, the more I listened to my coach and then put into practice in my game what the coach had taught me, the more I actually enjoyed football or soccer. The more we treasure the Word of God and then put it to practice in our lives, you will find a joyful, fruitful life. And I don't want this to be a message of condemnation, friends, how glorious the gospel is, right? That, that, it, that when I stand in him, the fire will not burn. If I do and I'm aware that as a Christian I do stray sometimes and get distracted by the cares of this world, stand in the gospel. And yet nevertheless, in view of his incredible mercy, in view of how great and glorious he is, would it not make sense to treasure him in all of life? To let him be the one that, that rules over me, to sit under his word? Can I encourage you to be careful how you listen to Jesus? Pay attention, listen to Jesus. My um, father-in-law is a farmer and he has a, a herd of cows and he has hand-fed them for years. And the fruit of that, if you like, the, the result of him hand-feeding them is that whenever he calls out to them, a simple call, which is taught, to, taught my kids, and so whenever they see any cows, they just think that all cows will come. And so they just yell out this call. It's, come on, come on. And what's really interesting is it doesn't matter how far away. It seems like the cows could be two or three paddocks away, but as soon as they hear David Unterreiner start going, come on, come on, their ears seem to be tuned to his voice and, and they listen for it. It's almost like they're listening for David Unterreiner and they act. They receive that voice and they act and they come running. They can be really far away, but they have tuned their ears, it seems. I'm not an expert on cow's ears, but it seems like they can listen from a long way away and come. Can I encourage you to listen to Jesus like that? To cultivate in your life an ear that is attuned to listening to Jesus. Because there are so many voices in this world but to hear the voice of Jesus rise above that, no matter how far away, when you hear the word, you are attuned to that and you come and you apply it. You receive it and you apply it. How do you do that? There's so many means of grace that God gives us, but can I encourage you to consider three? 
three means of grace to persistently pursue an ear that listens and accepts Jesus' word in your life. The first thing I think is, like the psalmist in Psalm 1, to daily delight and meditate in the word of God. To daily come to the word and sit under it, daily. And ponder, meditate on it. How does this judge me? I'm not judging it, how does this judge me? Let this shine the light and expose and reveal where I'm not listening. The second thing I think that helps us attune our ear to that is to to do that in a way that's not alone. Bianca has made me aware at times that I can be so caught up in something at home that my children might be trying to get my attention and it might take them four about four, that sort of worked out, there's four or five calls. So, Dad, 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 Dad! And by about the fourth, they've got me. And I didn't realise that that was happening. I needed Bianca's help. I needed Bianca to say, hey, do you, do you realise that that's happening? Do you realise that it's like a four call every time? <laughs> there are areas in my life that I'm not listening And I don't realise it. And I need Bianca. But I need you guys. I need you to help me too. To see those areas where I'm not listening well. So that I can can listen to the word of God and how that might reveal how I can listen better and enjoy the fruitful 30, 60, 100 fold life. And I think it's then also making sure that church is a priority. Third thing, I think, is making sure that you come regularly to to Sunday gathering, that you've prepared your heart, even on Saturday, to hear the word preached. And you've prepared your heart to hear it preached in a way that that you are not going to judge the word, but allow it to judge you. God's a good judge. He's the judge that actually became... A sinner. He made, well, he became, sorry, sin for us. He's for you. He's so for you. Let him judge you. Let his words be heard. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your words this morning. I thank you that for some we're hearing for the first time that we have been critiquing you, we have judged your word and that for the first time we're hearing how great and glorious a saviour you are that you would take our place. For those, Lord, we thank you for the gift of salvation. For some of us this morning, Lord, we are hearing your words and it is shining a light and exposing, revealing how we have not listened well in certain ways. Father, would you continue throughout this day, throughout this week, through daily Bible reading, through through others, through church, would there be a means that we continue to listen to Jesus and see the areas where we can surrender, where we can 
enjoy what it is to receive the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.